Welcome to the Juniper and Journey podcast with Kaziah Ritter and Lindsay Heslop. We're so thrilled you're here. This is a podcast dedicated to celebrating the strength and stories of women, good, bad, ugly, and beautiful in their own words. We believe in the power of real conversations, honest confessions, and playful nostalgia. You'll get to hear all kinds of perspectives from all kinds of women about all kinds of things. We'll talk about life and motherhood and loss and faith. We'll reminisce about the good old days, first loves, and old flames. This is going to be fun. Things might get a little rowdy, but we can guarantee it will be meaningful. We hope each woman's story inspires you towards empathy, compassion, and healing. Okay, let's get started. Hi, friend. If you love following along and getting to hear the brave, raw, beautiful stories of women, would you consider contributing just $5 a month to our Patreon? There is a small cost to producing Juniper and Journey each month, and we would be so grateful for your support as we hope to keep this space ad-free. As part of our Patreon fam, you'll get access to fun merch, exclusive J&J content, and other fun stuff along the way. Use the link in our show notes to become a Patreon member today. We're so thankful for each of you who tune in to hear these stories, and it's our joy to be on the journey with you. Hi, everyone. Um, Today, we are sitting down with uh, my dear friend, Carrie Stubbs, and Carrie is the friend every girl needs. She will literally bake you an entire cake from scratch for your birthday. <laughs> she is always down for a dance party, loves Beyonce. And also, I feel like you just ask, you always ask me the right question at the right time. Hmm. And then you actually listen. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah. Let's start your story by kind of going back a little bit. And when you were a kid... So like when you were a little girl, how did you picture or imagine your family? Is mm. that something you dreamed about when you were a kid? I I feel like my dreaming really stopped at, okay, I want a career and I want to find, you know, the perfect man. <laughs> and so there always was this dream. I, I honestly didn't dream past, okay, I found, you know, this this dream of traveling with my husband, finding the right guy. Um, having you know the, the fun career like I never loved playing teacher or mom like with baby dolls or anything like that and so it was really more so when I met Trey my now husband talking to him he's when he was 12 years old he's like oh my dream is to be a father like mm-hmm. my dream is to be a dad and, and for me so much it was like oh like my my dream was you um, and so I feel like that's a kind of a, a spot where like the crossroads came where I was like oh what what does it look like to be a mom uh how would I be a mom all along with this fear of but doesn't becoming a mom mean that I lose a big part of myself and doesn't that mean we lose like what we have going on right now which felt so good did that scare you about Trey that he mm-hmm. kind of came with this like 
Yeah, were you guys <laughs> having that conversation before you got married? Or was it after? Yes. Well, this is the funny part is <laughs> um, I was very adamant. We will have five years together. And then after those five years, we can start trying for kids, and it's going to be perfect. It's going to be great. And part of that is, you know, that narrative came from my parents. They had five years together and then started having kids. And I thought, oh, that's Mm. the way you do it. Um, And so Trey readily agreed when we were dating, (laughs) only to find out months after we were married, he kind of brought it up to me. He was like, Carrie, so I know that, you know, we said five years, but... I only said that because I wanted you to marry me. And actually, <laughs> I'm thinking, like, would love to try as soon as possible, like within the year even. Uh, and so that ended, I mean, that really turned out to be one of our biggest arguments in the first year, a couple of years of our marriage, um, because I was starting to feel like, well, am I being selfish? But on the other hand, I was like, I feel like I was pretty clear about this exciting five years of, a, of us together. Um, so that was kind of the, the rub for a while is I wasn't quite ready for kids. But there was this fear of, well, what if we couldn't have kids? You know, what if we were infertile? And I always had this like feeling, this gut and like just kind of in the back of my mind of like, oh, I feel like that could be one of your struggles. Like if, if you're going to struggle with something, I wouldn't be surprised if infertility was one of, was one of them. Hmm. Um, so because of that gut instinct, it kind of like loomed for, for both of us um, for, I mean, a, a couple of years because Trey had voiced that fear as well. Will you talk more about how did you navigate, if you're comfortable sharing, like how mm-hmm. did you navigate that tension for mm. you guys feeling like you know I've I found my guy and I have this yeah. picture of what our life looks like I mean like what did those conversations really look like and how mm. did you manage that tension in your marriage hmm. I, I don't know if this is the right way to do it but honestly we pulled a, together a contract like we I still have it in our basement but it was like okay when we get pregnant, that means I get a puppy, which didn't happen. <laughs> um, but it really was like, okay, within this like next year, next year to two years, like let's travel, like let's go, let's explore Colorado, do certain things because that's very important to me. And for, for him, it's not as important, but he's like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll step into that space. Like let's go on adventures together. Um, and so we really did kind of pull together this, this contract. I was like, okay. And in the spring of, you know, I don't even remember what year it was, but you know, that's when we start trying. Um, and so I was open to trying a little bit sooner because of that fear of what if we couldn't have children. Um, but I would say like starting that, that conversation early on, knowing how much he wanted to have children, knowing that was one of like the deepest desires of his heart and it was something that I wanted too I just didn't want it immediately and so knowing that was something that he so deeply desired I knew I would get there eventually and that's kind of a common theme honestly in our relationship is he's always a couple of steps ahead of me and I'm like no let's enjoy the moment um he's definitely like the future thinker um so even seeing that play out when it came to children um and you know, wanting him to be that, that was the rub. I wanted him to be happy. He wanted me to be happy, but what we wanted was different. That was difficult and led to a lot of tough conversations. 
where do you think that kind of gut feeling came from Mm. of like what if so you have this kind of common conversation that's coming up for you guys that you're revisiting that's tender Mm -hmm. maybe a little like stressful Mm. so you have that and then you on top of that have this gut feeling that you're talking about of like Mm. what if we struggled with this literally the biology of it what if we struggled that way where do you think that came from Mm -hmm. do you do you even know that's a good question I have like a couple of things come up for me. And the first one is my periods have always been irregular. Hmm. So I remember, you know, going to WebMD and being like, what is wrong with me? What I, you know, have now, I didn't stumble upon that, but I did stumble upon a couple of things. And one of those things was, uh, you know, it may be harder to have kids because of that. So I think that, and then also I feel like probably everyone's mom said this, and maybe not, but like, if you stand in front of the microwave, you won't be able to have children. <laughs> so, oh if you sleep with your cell phone, yeah. yes, yes. And I was like, frick, I have been in front of the microwave way too many times. Probably can't have kids. So, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Did you vocalize that early on to Trey, or was that something you hmm. kind of waited to disclose? I waited to disclose because Trey had that fear too. So when Trey would vocalize his fear, I would come in, even though I was feeling that, I would come in and say, oh, it's going to be fine. Like I have no worries, even though I did have legitimate concerns that that could be an issue we would have. But um, I wanted to ease those concerns and pretend like it wasn't going to actually be an issue so it wasn't until much later that I disclosed that yeah I've had fears about that too so what eventually changed for you was Mm. it really you just wake up one day and feel like (laughs) I would be okay Mm. with this today or or does that happen Mm. differently for you it was a like it wasn't just one morning I woke up and it was like ready for kids but there is a lot of days where I would wake up or certain moments that I would feel, I think I'm one step closer. Um, I think that I'm starting to feel ready. You know, I was getting really excited to see Trey as a dad and how special that would be for us. And to begin to see, I mean, really what it was, was beginning to see starting a family and having a child is like, oh, that's like the next, the next big adventure and wanting that for ourselves not seeing it as a detractor from life but really seeing it as like oh no this is going to make it richer and we get to pass along like our things that we love and care about and really like instill into this like little nugget and (laughs) like love them and it just yeah it felt like a new adventure as opposed to something that would take away from our lives so you officially start like trying Mm -hmm. whatever that ends up Mm -hmm. looking like what are those first like few months like Mm -hmm. yeah well we first started trying on a cruise ship (laughs) um (laughs) really small quarters um but we were all excited it was a cruise ship uh to alaska 
with Trey's parents. So super hot. hot. Super sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and uh, yeah. And then we, you know, tried for, gosh, the next couple of months. And each month, you know, you just, you, oh, we're for sure going to be pregnant this month. Um, Especially so many people in my life, it's like they would, you know, sneeze and be pregnant. So I was like, oh, this is going to be super easy. Um, and then each month it was negative and, you know, I, I know the doctors would say nothing to be concerned until it's been a year, but I'd say by month three, we were starting to wonder and we just kept trying and I got the flow app and I knew, okay, when are we ovulating? Did the whole thing of, okay, we have to have sex tonight and then we need to have sex tomorrow. Like, you know, started to, to play that natural birth game, um, which was difficult because my period was off. And so that never really worked for us. I even used those all like ovulation sticks that you can pee on that are like, you're ovulating or you're not ovulating. Um, and they, it just always gave me like two, like bright two red lines, which essentially means like you are ovulating, but it did that every single day of like every single month. So we're like, that's not giving us any, like, what does this even mean? Um, so there is a lot of little things like that along the way that made us wonder if something was wrong. Did you guys start having conversations in those months of going, you know, we're going to commit to, mm. to trying naturally for a certain amount of time? Or were you, what kinds of conversations did started like evolving, I guess, during that time? Yeah. Did you feel like we're, we're okay with keeping this up for a certain amount of time? Or did mm. that start to become painful, the, the trying yeah. and the negative test? I would say it was starting to become painful um, to just keep on taking test after test and have it be negative. So I do think our conversation started to shift, you know, still with this goal of still let's keep trying Um, But there was a lot more doubt. Um, There was no longer this excitement around, okay, I'm going to, like, we'll we'll see. Like, let's let's test. It was like, okay, I'll test. But there was, yeah, more, like, anxiety around that and and more kind of sadness around it. And really kind of what kicked things off for us is I was switching careers. So I used to be in advertising and then I decided back then, okay, I, I this isn't the path for me. I really want to pursue uh, the path to become a mental health counselor. And so because of that switch, I was giving up good insurance. And so in that like last month before I was quitting, I was like, well, I might as well go and get tested. We've always wondered if we had something wrong. So let me go to the OBGYN you know, use my good insurance one last time and let's just see. Um, and when I went to the OB, she started to have concerns when I was sharing that my period was always off and always late. Um, and they did a test to essentially see if I had any cysts in my ovaries and that came back positive. And she was like, I don't want to concern you. We have to do a lot more tests but there is a chance that you have PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And 
uh, that kind of instilled fear in us and we left the doctor that day and then of course go into like rapid Google mode of mm-hmm. like, have you ever heard uh, of that before? Uh, never. I hadn't, I had never heard of, of PCOS. Um, so that, yeah, turned into like, what is this that I might possibly have? For people that don't know, what, mm-hmm. what is it? Yeah. What happens? It essentially, like essentially I have a lot of eggs. I have like 40, 45, but I have so many eggs that they just don't drop each month. Um, and there's a little bit more, like I have a little bit more um, like male hormones than the average female. Yeah, when it really comes like what PCOS is for me, I have too many eggs and they don't drop each month. So it's like we're shooting blanks anytime we're trying because I have no egg that's dropped. So what happened when you guys, you know, get this news of maybe and you, you, I mean, we would all do it. Let's be honest. You start Mm -hmm. Googling. Hmm. What did your heart and your mind kind of do when you started Mm. looking into it? Well, I was like, man, my gut was right. Like, Mm. I probably have this. And I know we have to do more tests, but I was like, yeah, I, it it almost didn't feel shocking because it was like this confirmation of my intuition. Uh, But it was more of that fear of what does this mean for us? Um, Not only like emotionally, but also financially, because that starts to, you know, run through your brain of, okay, you know, we talk about what we're preparing for in our future and you don't financially prepare to uh you know invest in infertility services i mean we know babies are expensive but in my brain it was like oh that starts when you have to start buying the crib and and all of those things but it's like oh like that this is going to start for us sooner um than the the typical family and just starting to like process through what that would look like for us did you and Trey respond pretty similarly or was there hmm. was there struggle in how you were both you know processing yeah. and, and perceiving this news? I think both of us were grieving together and we were still at this point where we needed more information because it was very easy to be like, okay, we still don't know if I have it. Like we're pretty sure I do, but we need more information. So I think that kind of catapulted us into, you know, we got some really good advice from someone who was like, stop going to the OB. You need to go to a fertility clinic and cause they're gonna give you the whole round of tests. Um, so, I mean, by the grace of God, it feels like such a miracle one of the best fertility clinics I mean in the entire United States is 15 minutes away from our house and one of my best friends from Minnesota she um, went through infertility and, and did IVF out in Minnesota and when I told her like we're right next to CCRM she was like fangirling she was like what CCRM like that's the spot <laughs> um, <laughs> so that felt good to be like, okay, like we are in good hands, like let's go and, and, and see. Um, and so going to CCRM, 
I mean, it was insane how many tests we had to go through. Not only me, but Trey as well, um, because often, you know, people assume that infertility is is the female. But often, I mean, the statistic is crazy. I don't remember what it is right now, but like very often, it's it's the male. Um, and so, you know, they, they do the, the, the tests for, for both of us. That's when they did confirm, like, yes, you do have PCOS. And then they confirmed that Trey had something as, as well. Um, essentially, just not all of, like, his sperm was, like, perfect. And so there is irregularities that would make it harder to pierce the egg in the first place. And so because of that, it's like, well, we have two things, you know, fighting against us. Um, But there is actually something really sweet about that because, I mean, there is no, could be no blame because both of us were bringing, you know, broken aspects to trying to make our baby. Um, So there is a lot of grace and a lot of it really brought us closer together than pulling us further apart Mm. because there was that joint grieving and that joint understanding of okay this is going to be going to be a journey for us Um, and that's when we found they we did additional testing and that's when we found out that I had a uterine septum which essentially means like the typical uterus is like a nice healthy triangle (laughs) with lots of space for the egg to attach to the wall and like fill into that full triangle um but my uterus was like the shape of a v so there was a lot of tissue that was kind of hanging down on one of the sides um and the doctor was even like whoa this is one of the biggest you know, uterine septums I've ever seen. So that's never something you want to hear. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, <Not> me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, gosh. Love to hear that. <laughs> um, so yeah, that ended up leading to needing a surgery um, for them to go in and kind of like remove that tissue from the, the uterus. There's a very high chance for miscarriage with uterine septums. And so if I never went through all of these tests at the fertility clinic, I never would have known that I had a uterine septum and probably would have gone through the heartache of multiple miscarriages before, you know, going to try to get tested to figure out why that was happening. Um, So that, you know, we, we see that as one really beautiful silver lining of, okay, because of these tests, because of our infertility, we were able to like essentially catch that and go in and make sure my uterus was nice and ready to go. (laughs) So, yeah. At this point, well, at any point up to this, had you Mm. been kind of sharing with the people Mm. in your life or were you guys kind of keeping that close? Yeah. We were pretty open about it, Um, especially with our small group it was very important for us to be vulnerable and to share with our community because of, I think for me, especially walking through it with one of my best friends in Minnesota, I was starting to realize even before I was struggling with infertility, like how much stigma is around infertility and and miscarriages and a lot of the issues that we can struggle with 
uh, as women in that, in that realm and was already starting to become passionate about like, this should not be stigmatized. Like this does not have to be something that we like shame ourselves for and that we hold in and, and kind of let eat away at us because I really, it felt like if I share this with my community, they can help carry it with me. Um, and it felt like that, like even, you know, Lindsay's in my, in my small group and being able to share that with her, it was like, okay, she's, she's carrying it with me. And when I have a, uh, have a, you know, bad day, it's, it's not that I'm, it's eating away on the inside. It's very much a shared burden Mm -hmm. that made it feel lighter. And so that was, that was huge. Do you remember, you know, when you talk about having a bad day, walk us through one of those bad days? Oh, the worst was walking into the infertility clinic for the first time. Um, that's something that you just can't prepare for. Like when you are sitting in front of the doctor and, you know, holding Trey's hand and it's like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is our story and we don't know how this ends. And I mean, so many things flash that you're mind I ha- I don't remember what our doctor told us that day like hmm. they you know give us handouts for a reason because they're like they're not gonna retain any of what's shared and I definitely didn't um I I didn't know what questions to ask I didn't I just felt paralyzed and I felt frozen like even right now as I share this like I honestly feel it in my body like I feel like my my body's freezing up and I um it just was heavy and one of those moments that doesn't feel real yeah you just walk out of that being like oh my gosh this is like seeing the steps and and seeing like you can tangibly understand like okay here's what we're gonna do logically but you can't look at that and be like how is this going to be emotionally for us and how are we actually gonna get through it I would say another hard day was you know, shortly after the surgery for my uterine septum and healed up from that great. Um, but I, we weren't able to really, you know, go into the next phase for a couple of months. But then the next phase for us was IUI, which is essentially like the step right before IVF. And our doctor said, okay, we're gonna go through three rounds of IUI. If none of that sticks, then we'll go into IVF. And essentially IUI, what it is, is like they give me, or I give myself a shot, and then that will cause my egg to drop. And this is after I'm like taking medication to like help honestly like get my eggs plumpy and juicy, like (laughs) ready to drop. (laughs) And then the shot triggers the egg to drop. And then there's like a very specific time that we have to go into the doctor's office to have them take, Trace sample and then they like stick it up all the way like as far as they can so like more mm-hmm. of it will more more um sperm will have a better chance to stick or, or, or penetrate the egg so we went into round one of IUI and <laughs> one of my favorite stories of this round is there was the first time I had to give myself a shot <laughs> and Lindsay you were there I was there <laughs> <laughs> Oh, one of our friends was having a 
Disney uh, like girls' night. So we're gonna go. We were gonna watch a movie, have charcuterie, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I want to go so badly." But I was like, "I have to give myself the shot at 9 p.m. that night." And I was like, "How weird!" I literally show up to this party. Like, can I put my shot in your fridge? Because the frit, like, the shot needs to be, it needs to stay cold. Uh, and I also like, there's probably like 12 to 15 girls at this party. And I ha- I've been open with my story with, with some of them, but not all of them. And so I set an alarm for 9 p.m. And I had Lindsay and Erin, who's also in our small group, as like my hype women of like, okay, guys. And I'm terrified of needles. I, you like, had prepped us, though. You I, sent yeah. us like a text. You're like, <laughs> I like got to do Help my me. shot. And yeah. like, if I can't do it, like I'm going to give him my best go. But if I can't do it, can one of you like stick me with this thing? Yes. And we were like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think so. I don't know. I've never had to yeah, do that. But like, like, yeah, I was yeah. like, we're, yeah, whatever you need. Like not really knowing if I could. But if we were like, yep, yep. absolutely. Committed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, so good. And so, you know, nine rolls round. We're in the middle of Aladdin. And (laughs) (laughs) my alarm goes off. And so, you know, I look at Lindsay and Aaron and I'm like, it's time. (laughs) And so then we sneak back. I grab my shot from the fridge. We're in the bathroom. I'm pulling up a YouTube video that's like how to give yourself a shot. (laughs) And I'm freaking out. And, uh, but we did it. You did it. And I did it. You did it yourself. honestly felt like a freaking wonder woman i never thought i could do that to myself um but yeah so that was the first time and what was really funny is literally everyone like was like what were you guys doing in there were you guys taking shots we're like well yeah like a type of shot yeah (laughs) actually (laughs) actually yes we were doing a shot um but yeah so that was our first so i did the shot and then two days later went in did the whole IUI process and you know you wait two weeks and then after the two weeks you um and that's like the longest two week wait ever before you try a pregnancy test again did they tell you I mean did they give you an expectation Hmm. of like you know it happens on the first round this often or like did you have your own expectation of it, it would happen the first round or it wouldn't like what kind of expectation mm. were you carrying even in yeah. the first round I think we were hopeful like even the statistics I don't remember them off the top of my head right now um but they're kind of like you know each round because there's three rounds of IUI before they recommend IVF it, it essentially was like by the time like there's a decent good chance that one of these rounds will stick um but I think for my own expectations, I was going in hopeful because it's like, it feels like one plus one equals two, you know, like my egg has dropped. You are putting the sperm literally like, like why, how does that not, how does that not work? Like, it just feels like this is going to work. Um, and so I think it was hard when we found out the news, like, no, this was negative because that felt like this really yucky culmination of every single other test that we have tried and failed. And it was like, well, literally we're doing everything that we can right now. 
um, that it, it just felt pretty devastating. Overall, it felt like we were a unified front. He was so emotionally supportive for me and the way he was like there for us and I feel like I was able to be there for him too was really like powerful and and beautiful and it's something even sweet like now to look back on of those like really heart-wrenching moments of you know wondering if we um we're going to be able to have a child together especially knowing it was the deepest desire of his heart um i think probably the tricky thing is after the first round of iui COVID hit and so fertility clinics shut down so there was probably about a three month gap before we could even try again and we were having friends in town for about two weeks and typically when like these friends come in town like i like love like making big dinners and making fancy cocktails and you know it was a group that I had been to Italy with and so we were going to have a like Italian night where we were gonna go like ham with like we're making homemade gnocchi with like oh it's gonna be like with truffle sauce and all all the works and then of course you have to have red wine with like red good Italian wine Mm -hmm. with Italian night and so and when you're going through fertility treatments, you know, they, they really recommend like no alcohol at all. Like there's a certain regimen you have to do when you're preparing for that. And so it feels so silly now, but legitimately had this conversation with Trey of like, yeah, what, what if we just wait? Like what is waiting another month after all of this waiting? They're going to be here for two weeks. You know, like I want to be able to have a cocktail or I want to be able to have a glass of wine. And I would say that was this like tension moment where he was like a cocktail over like our future child. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whew, yeah, that's convicting. So I just kind of sat on it for a while and he sat on it for a while and he was mowing and he kind of came back in and was like, okay, I think it's, you know, like what's waiting another month. But in that time, like my perspective completely shifted and I was like, I, like, and it, it just felt like now, now is the moment to give it a go. And it's not next month. It's not the month after. Like, you will regret it. Like, that still gives me shivers now because now it's, like, tangible because I would have missed out on my now son, Cal, and how kind of, like, stepping into that and deciding, like, yep, yeah, this is, like, this is it. And we're going to go into round this, like, second round of IUI ended up being, I mean very life-changing for all of the good reasons Mm -hmm. part of what what catches my attention and just like hearing you retell that part Hmm. is I think there's this side of this journey that if you haven't walked it, it it's hard to understand that it becomes these decisions that feel like I just have a glass of wine with my friends that today I wouldn't think twice about Mm -hmm. become the decisions Mm -hmm. that feel like Mm -hmm. I'm choosing something. It becomes this like priority thing to uh, to host my Mm -hmm. friends. I, it feels like I'm choosing that over my potential child Mm -hmm. and, and like the weight of that. 
but I think even but like bubbling all the way down to like that very first decision, it was almost that like, like there have been sacrifices that I had made up until that moment that seemed like on the surface, on the surface, it seems trite. It seems silly, but I think it stands for something bigger of like, this is like, you are stepping into a world. You're stepping into a, feels like this like motherhood club, even though I didn't know this, you know, maybe this next step would take me there, but that it is a journey of not getting to do everything that you want to do when you want to do it and learning like how to be okay with that and learning the joys that come from that. Yeah, this seems small. And in this moment, I'm feeling selfish that I am am thinking this way. But also, I think it stood for something greater. So, you know, we're keeping the secret because our friends are still in town. So we keep this secret all week. I'm making mocktails for myself and getting decaf Starbucks and, you know, doing doing all the things, trying to be sneaky. Because we this second time, we actually didn't want to tell anyone because I think we told, I mean, a ton of people for that first round. I think that weight of expectation, not only that we had, but also sharing with so many people then having to like send all of those texts Mm -hmm. was hard. It like made it like more concrete. So this time we're like, okay, it's between you and me. We're not telling anyone else. And if it fails, it fails. But if it succeeds, like we're gonna be freaking out. You know, two weeks goes by and and then the moment that well so i peed on the stick and then we went downstairs we set a timer for five minutes and honestly we just talked about like normal stuff because we were 100 percent positive that it was a negative and then we go back upstairs we peek around the corner and then it was positive and we like the the moment is still like seared in my brain because it felt so unreal just jumping and screaming and almost like immediately go into the room that was like meant to be the nursery and just like start dreaming of what this you know next step would be and we didn't even like try multiple we just saw the one and we were like it's positive like this is this is it then like an hour later Lindsay and Cole were coming over for dinner (laughs) and so they were the first we told and Lindsay just fell to the ground it was the best Uh, it was so sweet and so just being able to even like that moment to be able to have them like share so much of our pains and like know our whole journey to then be able to celebrate with us too there is something special about that so then what was pregnancy like yeah um pregnancy was actually pretty good um but it really felt like my pregnancy like the journey to get pregnant was wrought with pain and sadness and it felt like that was just so emotionally hard physically hard and then being pregnant itself felt almost like a reprieve yeah but even saying that like I know like one important thing I want to make sure I kind of touch on is just how different 
an infertility journey can be. Like my journey is so different than my good friend in Minnesota is so different from like so many individuals. And sometimes I don't even feel worthy sharing my story because it's like, well, I didn't even do IVF. I like IUI worked for me. Like, isn't like maybe my story isn't like worthy, like even though it has the the pains and the heartaches, I would say there's also this like bond of even if I'm experiencing my journey differently, there is this kind of bond of like, oh yeah, like you know what it's like to walk through those infertility doors and to sit with that doctor and to like process through what your future might look like um that it does feel like there is this like connection but that like everyone's journey is different and Mm -hmm. it's not like a one-size-fits-all type thing what did you name your son (laughs) well wait when did you find out it was a boy oh yes okay well we for sure we're like we are having a girl Oh, really? (laughs) There is no way we're having a boy. And Trey's mom was like, she's guessed every single one of her grandchildren correctly and was like, oh, yeah, Trey, you're 100% having a girl. So we were like, okay, Nana's intuition is saying it's a girl. We just have the gut that it's a girl. Um, And then, yeah, the moment they were like, oh, you know, doing the whole ultrasound and they're like oh that's for sure a boy so we both like freaked out (laughs) um he yeah trey's so excited to have a have a boy i think primarily because so trey's full name is actually ronald calvin stubbs the third and so he goes by trey with it being like three third um and so we knew even back when we were dating i was like oh we have got like if we have a son we have to call him Ronald Calvin Stubbs the fourth and we'll call him Cal or we'll call him Calvin um with that name kind of feels like it's popular again and I I love that name um so that was actually a very special moment when we told Trey's dad who's Ronald Calvin Stubbs Jr and oh I mean that moment in itself is also seared in my brain with how special it was just seeing my father-in-law like break down in tears and lit- it was so precious. He was like, really? He's like, could not believe it that like the legacy was continuing. And um, it's just special that m- my son like is within that legacy of really incredible men. So it felt like a no brainer to name him Cal. And finding more love in my heart finding this new perspective that's more focused on responsibility but I no longer see the responsibility as like a bad thing I really see the responsibility as like this gift that I get to care for my son and that I get to be his mom and that has felt Earlier on, you said one of a piece of feeling uninterested or not feeling strongly about having kids was mm-hmm. that, you know, you were going to have to give up or like mm-hmm. lose part of yourself. Mm-hmm. What have you discovered mm-hmm. in all of this? Yeah. Oh, I love about that question. That? Yeah. I think what I've discovered is that I have lost parts of myself, but the way I see it is I see two different buckets 
yes, have I lost the part of myself that can go anywhere whenever I want to without any, you know, quote unquote responsibilities? Yeah. Have I lost myself that, you know, gets to crank my jams in the car when I'm driving with Cal. Yeah, because he <laughs> I need to keep it down a little bit more. Like there are parts of myself that feel like they have, like diet is too strong of a word, but they just don't get to express themselves as much as they once did. But then I have also uh, been introduced to new parts of myself. So parts of myself that feel like I get this beautiful responsibility of my son and there's like this new richness to life like when I see him it's like oh you are you are mine beyond rich to me do you hold expectation about the future differently Mm. just having had to walk through this yeah yeah I mean, I think especially as we think about what we want our family to look like, it is harder to say, oh, yeah, we want to be a family with three kids and yada, yada, yada. This is our plan because it's just not up to us. Um, And so we, I think, hold that a little bit more lightly. You know, it's always like, okay, God willing, you know, if like we are so in love and thankful to have Cal. And yes, we do want three kids, but we know that that's going to be a journey in itself. What have been harder moments mm-hmm. of, you know, this side of things? Mm. Well, I love that you asked that question because I think there's almost this expectation of like, because you know, I went through or someone else went through infertility and this really long journey to get a child. There's almost this sense of, and maybe it's something we put on ourselves, uh, but like, oh, I can never complain about the hardships of motherhood. Yeah, because like I look at everything we've gone through. Um, And so I think even just trying to like debunk that, like for myself, like I, it is still hard to be a mom And there are really sweet parts about it, many sweet parts about it. But being able to give myself that space to say, yeah, this was really hard to, like, Cal is a miracle and a gift, and we went through so much to get, have him. But it still doesn't make, you know, the 2 a.m. wake-up calls easy. It still doesn't make trying to make breastfeeding work easy. It still doesn't make just trying to deal with the insecurities that pop up out of nowhere when you become a mom easier. It's still hard to trudge through that, but an important reminder to myself. This story does matter. Mm. It does. And thank you for saying yes to showing Mm. up and sharing it. Carrie, thank you Mm -hmm. so much. We just love you. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Juniper and Journey podcast. 
If you heard something that resonated with you or that you have questions about, we would love to hear from you. Follow us on Instagram at Juniper and Journey and slide into our DMs. It would be our treat and total privilege to chat with you. We all have a story. If you'd be interested in sharing yours here on the podcast, please reach out. Bye for now. Cheers. Cheers.